Thank you so much, and welcome to the Transportation and Logistics Podcast, powered by Atlanta Dispatch and Humblebee Enterprises. I'm very excited to be here with a special guest. We have Mark Menard, who is a director at LID. And before we begin, just want to say that the Dispatcher Guide to the Galaxy is available now as an ebook and a physical book. And you can acquire your copy online from barnesandnobles.com or Amazon. And if you're into the ebook space, you can get that bad boy from Apple. Well, look, my brother, Mark, how's everything your way? Thank you again for joining me. No, um, thanks for having me on, on, on the podcast. I really, I think this is a fun, a fun experience, especially the fact that I'm kind of new to the area. I think this might open up, you know, uh, to meet a lot of different people and just hear, you know, hopefully hear from people after the podcast. So I'm, I'm doing good, uh, Joey. How are you doing? Uh, extremely blessed, man. Extremely blessed. I've had a very busy start to uh, Q4 when it comes to just doing things in the logistics events here in the Atlanta area and being on supply chain boards. It's, it's pretty cool, man. So again, I appreciate you for being here. And look, you said you're new to the area. For the folks who haven't had a chance to enter you in the past, let's dive in on that a bit. Uh, tell us about yourself and what does it mean when you say that you're you're new to this space? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I when I mean new to the space, I guess I mean new new more to to the the Atlanta scene itself. So I mean, I'm obviously Mark um, Jory, you just very well. Uh, I'm a Canadian from Montreal that's transplanted into the into Atlanta right now. Um, I started my career, I've, I guess you know, education wise, I did I did civil engineering at Concordia University, so civil and civil and structural engineering. Moving my career into lid as soon as I got out of school, um, kind of started down at the bottom as a as a data analyst, so that means crunching numbers and, and kind of taking all, you know, the, the, the hard work, we should say, going up and, and giving that to the superiors to make the decisions on on different kinds of recommendation to, to the clients. Uh, working my way up from there kind of made my, you know, made my path and, and opened an Atlanta office uh, for LID last September. So moved down here from there. Um, kind of, you know, the, the, the short little story to, to who I am. In, in that sense, now during all of these times, I mean, what, what we do is is consult and recommend on on so many different levels in in the warehousing world. And transportation is obviously a component that that we touch on, um, probably not to the level of detail that <laughs> that everybody and the listeners do, but we definitely uh, need to build those connections to be able to give proper recommendations and understand how you know companies think about that whole logistics process as well. So. We definitely have a lot of good contacts and a lot of good people that we can collaborate on. And that's kind of, you know, a little bit of, of the story of, of, of where I came from. Nice, man. Nice. Look, thank you for that intro. And you said something that was interesting to me. You started at the, the, you know, as far as data analytics and you had to do the crunching of the numbers to be able to give the information to the folks so that they can make you know, they can justify some decision makings, you know, thinking about where you started from and where you are now. This is a very random question, right? But it just so happened that I had a meeting with the supply chain board for a university here in this area. And this is the type of stuff we we're talking about, you know, what you see in the industry now versus where you graduated and, you know, uh, the skills that you had. Is there is there anything that you will point students to kind of do master before they graduated that would help them potentially work for LID? You know what I mean? If you had somebody fresh out of college, what kind of stuff do you want them to be able to do? 
So it's, it's, it's kind of a funny question because for, you know, everybody coming out of school believes that what they've learned in school is going to be translatable to, to the work, to the work life. Right. So as, as you're going through it, I mean, I did four years of education. I'm an engineer by trade. And when I started working at what I'm doing now, there's not much that translated over. So the best thing you can do in school is obviously get those skills, become a good, a good speaker, become a good, be, have an analytical mind, I would say, because it'll, it'll allow you to grasp things quicker and be able to, to think critically of certain situations. So there's not much that besides those communication and kind of, you know, like those, those skills that I've been talking about that, that translates to what I did in my world. Um, obviously there is a supply chain world where you're going to learn, you know, the basic warehousings and different components like that, that would be, that would be useful, but coming out of school, you know, at LID, we rather train you the way that we do things and, and have you kind of mold it to our shape, which is kind of what happened with me. Like it's, it, it's a complete mold from, from the company that allows you to think a certain way. And it, it becomes the same thing in a lot of different industries, I'm, I'm sure. Nice, man. Nice. Did you always know that you wanted to be in consulting? I had absolutely no idea. I actually, I had, no, I had no clue. I think, uh, based on my path, I mean, I was a big, I was a big athlete when I was younger. It was, it was always fast paced and the consulting world kind of the consulting world brings that to you because you're not just focusing on one project or on one, on one customer as you're going through it. You, you have projects that last, you know, eight, 12, 16 weeks. Some of them obviously go a little bit longer when you're going into implementations of certain solutions, but having that turnover and having that critical thinking and having that new experience always in front of you definitely matches my personality. So once I started, I knew I knew that it was for me, but I didn't know going in. Nice, man. I hear you. And coming out of college, I got an opportunity to work for Deloitte for a very short stint before going overseas. But I thought I was going to be in that consulting world for quite some time. And I have a lot of peers who continued, eventually became directors and partners and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you're always getting into something new. Um, you, you might be on the road a lot, but you know, you're always seeing something new. As far as lid, right? What are some of the different areas within the supply chain that you guys provide those consultative services um, you know, for your clients? Yeah, so I mean, given obviously an overview of LID, I mean, LID's a consult, national engineering consulting firm. Uh, we've there's kind of three big segments to LID. We call one of them strategy, one of them technology, one of them design. Uh, strategy is probably the one that relates the most to to the crowd that we're going to be you know speaking to today, uh, in the sense of doing kind of this network analysis of your your distribution um, network, pretty much. So you're looking at a distribution network in the sense of where inventory should be located on the map. So if we're thinking of the US, right, should I have an East Coast and a West Coast facility? And when you're thinking through all of these components, I mean, obviously transportation becomes a big a, a big piece of the pie because, you know, roughly if you're thinking of a business, you're probably 50% transportation cost, 50% distribution cost uh, or distribution labor within the four walls and outside the four walls. So it's it's a big component as when you know where, where I should settle based on my client base where I'm, where I'm looking to grow and those different components. So that's kind of a, the strategy component, you know, breaking into new markets, creating new products, what are the strategies to go move forward there? I, I'm going to go briefly over the other, the other few, because I think they, they are interesting and maybe, you know, they, it could spark people to have conversations with us in the future, but 
we have a technology or we have a design team that will then design the four walls of an of a distribution center. So we're thinking of how to be optimizing within the four walls, how to, you know, do we put automation? How do we pick? How do we rack? How do we store all of our products? You know, how do we deal with our dock management to be able to get things off and on trucks as fast as possible and in the right sequence, right? So there's all those components in design. And then behind that, to be as as efficient as possible, you'll throw technology on top of that. So think of having a brain of a facility. So the brain of the facility would be a WMS or an ERP system. Uh, WMS is a warehouse management system. It'll guide your employees throughout your warehouse to make sure that they go to the right locations and find the right products to fulfill those orders as fast as possible. So it's kind of all of the back end. I mean, it's it's the it's the in between of transportation, right? You'll have those inbound logistics, you'll have the outbound logistics, and then you have obviously the warehousing component. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, that was great, man. And we're definitely going to talk more about strategy. But you mentioned a couple things within that that I'm very interested to ask a couple follow up questions. With one being, if you're talking about advising where an organization should put a distribution center or build a warehouse based off of their customer base and just their whole distribution channel. How much did the supply chain crisis that, you know, was exacerbated by COVID, um, how did that affect the way that you were advising people? Like, even when it comes to whether they should keep their same suppliers if they were overseas versus, you know, how everybody's moving towards the nearshoring options these days. The, the, I mean, obviously there was with, with the crisis and COVID, the biggest change that probably happened in the industry is, is retail uh, is kind of e-commerce e fulfillment, right? So ordering online and getting direct home delivery. So, I mean, people have to say it's, it's, it's somewhat the Amazon effect. I'm thinking how rushed you would want to be when you're dealing with these components. And that's the level of hang. if you want to get, you know, same day, next day delivery, the Amazon style, then obviously you need to be located and have a lot more footprint throughout throughout the United States to be able to fulfill at those rates. Um, but the big difference there is is how to re reorganize the interior of the distribution center to make sure that you have the ability to pick the smaller volumes to distribute direct to customers, uh, which then affects you know the service level agreements that you may have to to push those from hey am I doing am I doing a forty eight hour twenty four hour seventy two hour delivery to make sure and that'll be based again like you're saying on on where you can be located a lot of the things that would potentially happen in those situations is, is you create you know a store that you may already have becomes becomes a dark store um and no physical clients are allowed in anymore and you're just kind of dealing with the component of being able to ship those from a more hyper local area um, when it comes to the, your book of business, what you guys are doing there at Lid, do you have anything specific about any of these and service them more than, not not more than others, but do you have a favorite when you are going into these various clients to uh, provide your services? Well, I've definitely migrated towards the food service world. I mean, the food service world is something where it's, it's, it's high pace, it's low margin. There's, you know, you, you need to kind of be perfect as you're going through it. There's not a lot of room for error because there's, there's not there's not a lot of profit to be made when you're selling to restaurants and when you're selling to to schools and prisons and different components where the markups are, are are very very low, and it's a world that's changing because of of the way that the restaurants and the consumer wants to receive their products and I, and I think that's something that's quite interesting, because the other component about Lid is I mean we we are international we have offices in in the U S and Canada 
and in, in Seoul, Korea. And going overseas to Asia, where, you know, in the US, there might be 2% of our groceries, or maybe more 4% that are delivered direct to consumers. But in Seoul, Korea, it's more like 32% of those groceries and food components that get direct delivery. So they have a lot of advancement and different components that we don't have. And they also don't have footprint, if you think of, you know, the area and the space. So vertical warehousing becomes something interesting, having trucks go up three, four flights uh, on, on a in, in a high rise to just load their trucks and get, and go back down. It's, it's very curious on how that notion can come back to North America to make us potentially more efficient as well. Right, man. And the funny thing is when you brought up Seoul and made me think about my time living abroad in Dubai, and this time it probably was about 2013 and it was the absolute norm for you to be able to call any restaurant, and they deliver. They had their motorcyclists, they had their little buggy thing on the back, and they were going to deliver your food. And that was way before Uber Eats came about, you know, and that became the norm. But it's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, being able to operate internationally, you can see trends and opportunities to really, really elevate what's going on here in North America, essentially. Exactly. I mean, to, to your point, right, like uh, if, if you compare the amount of restaurants that are in in Seoul, so obviously the capital, uh, we're talking about roughly 250,000 restaurants in that city alone versus what we have here in like New York would be 24,000 restaurants. So it's, it's, it's very different. The average seats are different compared. We're talking 50 seats versus 200 seats per, per, per restaurant on average based on on the two different components. And that makes a difference on how you're going to get everything to the locations. I mean, the high density, the small streets, I mean, their final delivery, to your point, are done on, on scooters and, and customized electric bikes. And it's, it's a very different transportation level that, well, in these, in these main cities becomes very hard because there's, there's a lot of components. And I mean, we, we've heard it a lot from, from New York City, from different main cities where the city themselves are putting, you know, infrastructure in to handle that last mile delivery into the city to reduce the traffic of having those trucks going around because it, it, it causes some, some mayhem. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And look, as a consultant, right, being molded at LID and now probably being on the sales side, you're, you're customer facing to develop new business. Do you feel like it's take more convincing these days for people to leverage the services of a consultant? Or do you feel like people are typically coming to you guys for your specialty. So it's, it's not like you're really having to do too much selling on it. It'll, it'll be a mix of both. I mean, some people, once, once you use a consultant and you understand that there's benefit in having somebody who's, who's worked on, you know, I've been, I've been at lid for six years and I've worked on 60 plus projects within those six years, which if I would have worked at just a specific location i may i may have had you know three or four different projects you know five maybe as you're going through the components so the level of experience that you gather from 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 a consultant that's done this you know hundreds of times is definitely something that people recognize now there is the opposite of you know nature of some companies that say hey we've never used a consultant and we're not going to we're able to fulfill this ourselves and and we understand it and we learned it all ourselves so I, I would kind of say it's a it's a mix of both, 
you know, there, there is a spend involved, but if, if you're looking to, you know, restructure your entire network and talk about building buildings that are, you know, millions and tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, I think having a second opinion and a professional opinion is something that's, it's something that's, that's a little easier, a little easier to swallow. Right. No, I hear it you. Also gives the, it also gives them somebody to, uh, to blame if things are right. <laughs> no, that's it. That's definitely it right there. And it makes me think about a book that was recommended to me a, a few years ago that I feel like really changed my life. It's a very easy read for people who are interested. It's called Who Not How, which is, you know, you can get a whole bunch more of your goals accomplished by realizing that you don't have to be the person to go out here and learn every aspect to, to get that bad boy done, but instead leverage the, the expertise of somebody else. Uh, you, you're going to have to pay for it, but, uh, you know, that's going to allow you to hit those goals, those milestones a lot faster. So that's how I see um, reaching out to consultants. And you mentioned something that was interesting that you've been on 60 plus projects at this point and how from your perspective being six years in the game, what do companies typically want to see in place to feel comfortable working with a outside consultant? And I know that is gonna vary based on the organization, but you had to boil it down. I guess there's there's definitely a couple of there's definitely a couple of different levels. So the first thing that they want is for you to make sure, like for you to be able to understand their business. So there is that entire component of coming in and just making them into this, you know, cookie cutter business and putting them into this frame. And I think that's what people fear a lot when you go into, to me with a consultant is the fact that they're just going to kind of take you and, and they're going to remove the uniqueness of your business and just make you, you know, like everybody else. And understanding that, you know, we're here and we're trying to embed ourselves as much as possible because we never claim as a consultant to know your business better than you know your than you know it yourself, right? We're going to claim to understand how to optimize and and add value and reduce costs in every single component that we can to your business, but we're not going to know it better. So it's a mix of our knowledge of the industry, our knowledge of best practices, and what the standards are, and mix that with your knowledge of of your business itself and what you know, puts you apart. I, it thinks me of one of my clients that's a grocer and, and what sets them apart is, is the high quality of their, of their produce. Well, that means that there's a certain value in their produce rooms and in their produce warehousing and distribution and selection that we won't take away. And we know that we have to put more importance on that as we're going through the supply chain and that if there's money to, to be invested, well, there's a bigger investment to be made in that room than there would be in the freezer that accounts for 5% of their sales, where it's a little bit simpler to go through, even though usually freezer is, is, a, is a large component of, of, a, of a grocer. So there's all of these different components that would come in. And I, you know, obviously being a little bit more assertive and understanding, you know, guiding them when, when they're not being, uh, when they're not going down the right path and, and being able to tell them kind of what they don't want to hear. Sometimes you're going to come and you want to do a study and the idea is, Hey, you know, you know what the outcome wants to be, but the data doesn't back that up. And you have to be able to tell the customer, you know, the hard news of, Hey, there's no miracle to be done in the situation. And we're not going to sell you a dream. That's not, that's not real. So there's all these different little components that are going to, you know, get the customer more comfortable. 
but I think again the biggest the biggest one is sometimes telling them that that you might not know the answer right they, there's no way that you know everything about everything so the idea of having a consultant you're always going to have people that are going to throw questions your way like you're the consultant you should know everything but at the end of the day you're going to you're going to have a, a network of people around you and knowledge around you that you'll be able to go find that answer and it's it's okay to tell somebody hey listen I'm you know these are my thoughts I'm not entirely sure about this exact component let me let me get back to you in in, in a day or so uh with a more you know logical and smart answer I think I think that shows the client a lot of confidence in in your abilities and your thoughts and Hey, I'm not, you know, not a master of every single component of, of, of all components of supply chain um, when you're looking at it, the big picture. And, and sometimes there are going to be questions that you need to go get help and get answers to. And admitting that gives them the confidence that they're with the right. Right, man. There's a lot of strength in being humble. You know, humility bears a whole bunch of strength because you don't have to you don't have to put on <laughs> once you are unwilling to admit that you don't have the answer it gets harder and harder to maintain you know it's a losing situation if you can't humble yourself enough to just say that i don't have the answer right now but i'm very happy with getting it and coming back to you and that goes back to what you said about you know just having an analytical mind for the students coming out of college just being willing to be shaped and molded and all that kind of good stuff and lastly you said something also that was probably the highlight of me going to Freight Fest a few weeks ago, which was uh, there was a brother by the name of Mitchell Ward. Uh, and this man said that sometimes you don't need people around you that's going to continuously tell you what you want to hear. That instead you need people around you who's going to tell you that your baby is ugly you know to tell you you know that things are not right tell you the hard stuff so that you can understand what you need to do to improve and that was the highlight of me going to that festival because it's it's true you do need those type of individuals around and if i'm paying for it i definitely want that because you know how else do i get better without having the real information to stand on um versus somebody just buttering me up but look that does give me a segue. I did want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, who is Exalted Innovations LLC, an organization founded on faith in 2020. Exalted Innovations is providing safe and efficient 3PL services throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they are currently expanding into New Jersey, the Atlanta area, as well as the Miami markets. They're known for their superior same-day expedited shipping that comes at no additional cost and similar to this brother right here they do provide consulting services in the areas of e-commerce sourcing and procurement i say reach out to them right now because q4 they're holding a special where if you're looking for some long-term storage they will give you a five percent credit on at least the first two months so holla at them whenever you get a chance um, but yeah, that's what I had to say about that, man. Um, you know, you need people to tell you that your baby is ugly and you have to be able to accept that information too. Is it hard for people to accept some of the stuff that might not go in accordance with where they put a lot of their energy? I think that there's more stress 
in the pre-presentation on the consulting side to say, hey, we didn't, you know, we, we, we couldn't find this miracle for them. But most of the time, I would say it's it's pretty well accepted because there's a level of credibility that we build throughout the project that, you know, we gain that level of trust with the customer. And at the end of the day, the goal the goal is to challenge each other on both sides of the stick to come up with the best solution. So if a customer, I mean, an ideal customer is somebody that obviously knows their operation quite well. And, you know, there's the stubborn, the stubborn aspect that would be, that would be difficult to deal with. But if you have some flexibility and, and some open-mindedness, you're able to challenge each other to really develop the, the optimal solution. And then obviously bringing in other vendors. But I would say that generally the message is, is well-received and they're, they're either, you know, happy to understand where they are today because you got to plan for the future, right? Like there, there's nothing that we come in to do that's like, hey, tomorrow you, you're screwed. Like you, you need to have that five-year plan or that 10-year plan of where you're going and understand all the different components. And really that's where we're going to come help. I mean, we can do some miracle works and, and, and come in last minute to, to help you as much as we can. But, you know, time is always on your side and there's all, you always want it to be a friend and not an enemy. Right, right, right. Well, what are some use cases where you're going through the design process and you're having to touch on the first mile, those thin miles, or maybe even the final miles, like and you're designing this thing from scratch, I guess. What are some use cases uh, where you can talk about how you even approach that process? No, for sure. So, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of different components that would happen. So if before you even walk into design, what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to look at probably your inventory location and understand what's going on. So, I mean, we had a customer um, across Canada, a pet distributor or pet food and pet accessory distributor um, that had multiple locations, probably the largest pet distributor in, in, in Canada. Uh, and they might've had six or seven warehouses throughout Canada to be able to understand, you know, fulfill their customers or get to their stores and wanted to understand what the impact was on optimizing the supply chain to not only save money in terms of transportation, but save money in terms of warehousing and understanding how you can potentially consolidate or expand the network um, to fulfill what that would look like. So if you're thinking um, about how that, how that would potentially translate, well, we're going to take all of the customer data. Uh, we're going to understand, you know, where those volumes are getting located and then we're going to understand their entire, you know, P&L and, and, and take a look at their, at their charts and make sure that we're seeing all our costings to be able to put specific unit costs on every single component that's getting shipped out. That's then going to allow us to, to create that model that will give us the answer on, you know, whether or not you should open or close facilities and push things forward. And obviously, you know, everything that we do is very data driven. So without having potential visuals to support what I'm kind of help trying to, to explain here, right? Um, <laughs> it, it, it becomes, it becomes a little bit more difficult because, you know, we're looking at so many aspects, but everything that we do and all the recommendations where they, where they stem from is data and data doesn't lie. And there's some, you know, data analytics became something that that's massive. And you think of all the industries and all the components of how much pe data people have on other people, but how much data you have on consumer strategies and consumer uh, trends. Well, this is what it is. And if you're able to get technology in your facilities and you're able to capture data on your customers, you're going to be able to maximize your supply chain as much as you possibly can.
Right, right, right. Look, random question, but you guys wouldn't happen to have done any work for warehouses that deal specifically or predominantly with tires, have you? We have done some tire warehouses. Brother, man, we need how how do you get these things to be more efficient? <laughs> because I, when I'm telling you I've moved about a thousand, maybe a little bit more uh, loads of Pirelli tires in just the warehouse itself was always having some type of issues. Man, I don't even understand where to start to get these guys to be more efficient. Well, there are, it's going to be in the equipment that you use. So, I mean, there are specific tire racking. If you can only imagine what you see in the stores of how those tires are put vertically, and those can be clamped on custom, custom built pallet forms, right? So you're able to carry them in a conventional component with actual, you know, lift equipment and not have to drag these things around. Um, so that it's, it's being able to get those customized components to then go get the height as well, because if you're able to put them in the racking, then you're able to go get, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet of clearance, which allows you to be a lot denser and a lot, you know, more efficient in the space and the cubage that you're using. Um, there is a facility in, in, in North America, again, in Montreal that, that, that we, well, we actually, we weren't a part of it, but it was somebody else that, that, that did it. They went a fully automated solution where you're putting these into like these kind of cages that would then go mm -hmm. into the system because it, what happens with tires is that they're very right because of the shape and because of, of how you're going to store them they, they become not very stable right the stability of, of 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 tires as you're stacking them up doesn't help doesn't help anything so as long as you get custom pallets and pallet forms and grids um, to help you manipulate them in a more conventional warehouse way is how we've adapted that solution to make it work. So there's a, there's a little bit more of an upfront cost, but it ends up being a lot more efficient in space and use of a, of a warehouse. I'm not going to lie to you, brother. I might have some clients for you because I'm very close with a couple organizations where they do lots and lots and lots and lots of tires. And uh, I think that they're having some of these woes across multiple locations. So that might be something for us to connect on later. But as I digress, I wanted to ask you this, in, you know, since your tenure began at LID, how much more are you guys introducing AI into the solutions that you guys are implementing? AI is the word that we try to throw kind of all over the place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're trying to do it more in terms of, of again, getting that, da that, that data analytics and, and making it understand how you can help it within the four walls of your warehouse to give you, you know, the reviews of what's going on and understanding your KPIs and, and making sure you can bring back all that data and crunch it somewhat quickly. You're also doing AI when you're thinking of, you know, suggested order fulfillment or suggested purchasing and how you should combine potential components. So it's, it's definitely making its way, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the component that I, I specialize in myself. But the buzzword is out there, and I mean, we're throwing it in all kinds of different locations as we could. But <laughs> the the the, a, the AI game is definitely there, where it gives you, you know, it it makes everybody more efficient. So when you're thinking of looking at purchasing and looking at suggestions on what you need to what you need to buy to replenish your stock, well, that's where AI is going to play a big effect. All right, man, and there's so many solutions out there, and I'm excited about some of the folks I've been able to highlight who have 
some AI power solutions because like you said, that has been the buzzword. That has been the buzzword since I want to say probably for the last two years. Um, I've been hearing a lot about it, but specifically a year ago when chat GPT <laughs> came through, I don't know if there was ever an AI power solution. It's kind of been like the golden age for the last 12 months. Like you said, you, you're trying to throw that word around just because you understand just the excitement that it's been bringing. So yeah, it's very exciting times, young, innovative solution providers. So I'm always happy to support them. I know that you and I, we've spoken a couple times and I understand that you guys, you have like a very robust conference schedule. What does a conference like Modex mean for your organization and when you're looking at potential solutions for your customers? Yeah, I mean, Modex is, is kind of where you make all the connections and you try to see what's what's new in the industry. So for, I mean, as a consulting firm, we get approached by a lot of different vendors, especially in the automation world, um, where you want to keep track of everything because, you know, as, as AI is the buzzword, automation is also one that was up there a couple of years ago and that's that's still persisting, but obviously cost is always something that, that comes into play. So a lot of the times customers are going to come and, you know, we want to throw some automation in because labor is hard to find these days. It's hard to keep your, your staff and automation kind of solves that problem at a, at a pretty hefty cost. But Modex and Promat, which is its, you know, counterpart uh, on the off years because Modex is every second year um, in Atlanta, obviously, and, and Promat is in Chicago, but it's similar components. We, uh, I mean, we value that to, to go, you know, download everything that's new and what's exciting on in, in the industry so i think this is it's, it's a huge component for us to just stay on top of the game and make sure we can offer our clients the most advanced and, and newest technology that are out there because every solution to your point to your tire question right everyone's got a uniqueness and and someone's going to be solving it so that's where you kind of get all that all that information yes sir yes sir so folks who are listening are going to hear this I would highly encourage you to attend these conferences because they're free. They're free, they're massive. You get to meet so many people. So if you're in the Atlanta area when it comes to Aprilish, um, you know, end of March, something like that. Normally it's March or April, but look it up. It's just a Google search to see the exact dates. You will be impressed. It's crazy how they fill up the Georgia World Congress Center. And I would imagine it's the same exact way at ProMat in Chicago. I've never been to ProMat, but like you said, you're meeting a lot of innovative companies who are offering new solutions in the automation, a lot of robotics, a lot of robotics in those conferences. Are there any other conferences or trade shows that you feel are also valuable? Well, we do uh, as well. Pa Pack Expo is another kind of one of the in the same in the same vein as the other two. Think a massive conference where you know a lot of equipment gets put into it. I mean, that's a lot of manufacturing and packaging equipment if you're a manufacturer in that in, in those worlds. And then we get more into those niche, you know, specific ones. We go to Summit, which is more business central, uh, Microsoft Business Central. So we're thinking technology, but you're meeting a lot of fun people. There's obviously all the whole transportation game of bringing your TMS involved in being able to communicate with your WMS and your ERP. Uh, we do IFTA, which is International Food Service Distribution Conference uh, Association. That one happens every year, a little bit smaller. There's the Unipro World, which is a buying a buying conglomerate that just gives you some buying power. So if you're part of that, you're able to get some 
some better prices to compete with the with the juggernauts out there. So even a, even a small guy can compete. Um, you know, those are, those are some of the bigger ones that we've done. But uh, the the main three, if you're just thinking connections and building connections within the industry and talking to a lot of people that are free, uh, Pack Expo, Promat, and Modex are definitely the top for that. Nice, 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 nice. And like you said, automation, man, automation, a big amount of automation does come with robotics. Have you been able to identify any solutions, robotic solutions that are accessible for the smaller warehouser? And when I'm saying the smaller warehouser, I'm talking about that does not cost an arm and a leg to implement. So when you're when you're thinking of something that's a little bit that's a little bit smaller or a little bit more flexible, you're thinking of AMRs. So AMRs are autonomous mobile robots. Um, imagine a, a forklift that can drive by itself, and then imagine a smaller component of that that could have multiple different compartments with on it that could, that can just kind of go around uh, the warehouse. So that's kind of more of a you know robots as a service, same concept to you know software as a service. So you have a lower, you know, entry cost and you're able to kind of scale that up fairly quickly because you don't need to buy an entire fleet. You can rent them as you go. You can rent them for busy months. I mean, a lot of businesses do 80% of their volume during Black Friday and, uh, and Boxing Day. And you're able to bring that fleet up and not have to, you know, purchase the entire components just for those two big months or those two big weeks. So I think that's that's something that's interesting. I mean, all of these still come in with a pretty hefty notion that your technology has to be up to par. And and actually, Lid did deploy on our website this technology or automation readiness assessment. So it's something that just allows you to go through this checklist to make sure, hey, is, is this something everyone wants automation? Everyone thinks it's the next big thing. It's kind of, you know, it's the AI world. It's the, it's the same component of making sure that you can you get that intelligence that are to, to come and help you in, in your warehouse. But there's a lot of components where you need to be ready to, to handle it. And if you're just too small or not advanced enough to even have some of these different components, then technology will, won't, won't actually help you. So our, our automation won't actually help you. So, I mean, I encourage people to go online, lid.com. We have, we have that readily available. It's, it's free. You just kind of use it to see if, if you, you know, answer some of these questions and, it makes you understand where you are on, on your on your scale. And uh, I think that's, you know, pretty interesting. Right, right. I think I'm gonna have to post that when I have this session posted just so that people can have that readily available because that is a huge benefit to make sure people understand it's not just a magic wand that is waved and now you're automated. You do have to build the infrastructure and get to a certain level of efficiency and you know, standardization before automation can take place. Um, was there anything else that you guys have going on at LID that we didn't get a chance to discuss that you wanted to kind of go over right now? I mean, LID has so many facets and I, 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 you know, there's, there's so many different components. So I, I think that we're kind of that, that, that consulting firm that you should, you know, give us a call if it's within the four walls. And if it's not, I think you should give us a call anyways, because we're connected to the right people is more of our mentality. So, you know, we're, we're just here to, to build relationships and, and build long lasting relationship, which is something that's important, right? We're not trying to, you know, make our money and, and, and get out. We're trying to make sure that you, you succeed and that, that everybody kind of moves forward together and that we just become like a tool in your arsenal. 
Um, that really is kind of our mentality. But, you know, I guess the last component may be some sales and operations planning, but I, I don't, you know, I just know that if ever there's any kind of software um, that could be put in, whether it's, you know, TMS, WMS, ERP, MRP, there's all of these components, um, you know, we're, we're always, we're always available to chat. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And that is a nice segue to my sponsor, Thai Software, who is helping brokerages of all sizes streamline their processes and scale their business. So whether you are a brokerage specializing in full truckload or LTL, they definitely have a solution for you and tell them that Jory sent you their way. Uh, my brother, where can people find out more about Lid? Yeah, so I mean, uh, we, we have a presence on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, where we, we, we throw in a lot of insights. We currently have, you know, five, six, or maybe seven different streams of insights uh, on different components from technology to warehousing uh, going through LinkedIn. So these are different channels. I would just say Lid Consultants on LinkedIn. Lid Consultants are Lid SCI on uh, Instagram. If not, w visit our website at lid.com. That's L-I-D-D.com. And uh, from there, you'll be able to contact us and, and, and be in touch. Mm, sweet, sweet, sweet. Any closing remarks, brother? No, I just really appreciate the time, Jory. I think it was uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm not going not gonna to lie that Sometimes I was, I was, I was stressing out a little bit before not knowing in what direction we would, we would take this. And obviously the more knowledge I get, the more I'd be open, open to sharing uh, with you and, and your listeners. So I just appreciate, I appreciate you for inviting me and I, and I hope uh, this, you know, helps somebody out. Right, right, right. Yeah, definitely, man. And again, I appreciate you for accepting the invitation. So I'm pretty sure that we're going to be in communication uh, a lot from here just because I like what you guys are doing. And I'm always here to help. Okay. Awesome. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Well, everybody be blessed and tune in Monday morning as we partner up with Freightwave Sonar team to let you know where you should position your trucks to take advantage of the market conditions. But everybody, be